Hi, everybody. Welcome to Artifice episode 164. This is the penultimate episode in Artifice season nine. And I wanted to take a minute just to reflect aloud uh, with you, for you. Man, this year, 2023, has been such an interesting year for me, um, starting out with a knee surgery and a really intense recovery. Um, I've, I, I haven't actually talked about this much on the podcast um, in these interviews because the beginning of the year just took a turn that I just couldn't have expected, but I had, you know, a New Year's resolution for 2023. Um, maybe I've talked about it a little throughout season nine, but I, my resolution was to, to try to, to live, um, more like sensually. And I know that word has like a specific connotation, but the way that I mean it is just like paying more attention to my senses, doing more to like feed my senses, um, just be, you know, more in my body than I've ever been. I was talking with my friend Olivia last night and just talking about how in some ways, you know, like what I thought that this, what I thought this resolution was going to mean for me was, you know, doing a lot of gardening and a lot of cooking and, you know, maybe like learning to sew or maybe trying, you know, doing more watercolor painting or, you know, whatever. Um, and, and instead, weirdly, the way that it happened was I got rocketed into my body really hard by this knee injury. Um, and I'm in retrospect, I'm really proud of the way that I kind of showed up for those goals. Um, even while I, you know, my mobility was really limited and I was in, you know, incredible pain every day. Like my physical therapist put it in a way that was like, you know, while you're in this kind of recovery, the injury and like the pain is like the main thing you're thinking about all day, every day. And that really was true. <clears throat> like ev every moment of every day, it was like, just how can I move in a way that doesn't call me, cause me more pain, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And, and it was like that for at least, at least three or four months. And honestly, my knee still hurts like every single day throughout the whole day. It, it's so much better than it was back then, obviously, but it's just a long recovery. It was a really bad injury. Anyway, all this to say, I am proud of the way that I, that I was able to kind of stay present in these goals, um, despite this kind of, you know, uh, left turn that I, you know, never meant to take. Um, and, and, you know, also I've, I've maybe mentioned this also, but I released The Hallowed Wide in October 2022 and then performed it again this year. And I, I'd love to write more about this, but I, I just I just feel the need to acknowledge it in real time. Um, and then, you know, I'll probably reflect more and, and maybe write a little bit. But it has been so interesting getting back into this music a year later and seeing the way that things that have happened in, in this year since I released this music are, these lessons are, are like already in this music for me. And I'm kind of, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just 
the the combination of these things, like, you know, kind of coming to the end of the year and also revisiting this music again is making me think about the ways in which I really tried to take the the principles of the hallowed wide into 2023. Um, and maybe that sounds, you know, kind of pretentious, but I've always been clear that I, I wrote that project like it's a philosophy and and I built it for myself as lessons that I know that I need to learn. And, and what I'm learning now is that there are lessons I need to learn over and over again, probably in, in kind of, you know, with different context. And anyway, um, I'll also probably talk more about this, you know, at, an, at once I've processed it a little more, but, um, I'm not in contact with my brother anymore as of this year. Um, not through any choice of mine. He, he made a decision to cut me out, um, without talking to me or having any discussion or any, any effort to try to preserve a relationship or, or tell me what he needed me to do or to not do. But, um, you know, I know the answer. The answer is, uh, in order to have a relationship with him, I have to lie about everything that I've been through and everything that I've experienced. And I have to show up as, you know, not a whole person, which is, which is a, a term, you know, which are terms that I just, I cannot put on myself, but, um, I, I have been heartbroken about that this year. Um, and then also in many ways this year has been full of so much wonder and, you know, kind of, I've, I find, I'm finding myself trying things that I've never tried showing up in the world in a way that I never have before. And the reason that I kind of want to say this today is, you know, listening back to this interview that I did with Ross about six months ago, um, I can just hear myself going through like so many things. And I really started to appreciate, you know, maybe this season, season eight and season nine of Artifice. Um, <clears throat> whoops, what am I saying? This is season eight. I'm just, I'm almost finishing up recording season nine. See, it's layered. This is my point. Um, but in kind of season seven and season eight, like really just feeling like listening to the episodes six months later, releasing them six months later, it's really starting to give me a really unique and interesting window into I don't know, like something about retrospect versus, you know, kind of the present perspective. Um, it gives me enough time, like six months gives me enough time to kind of be in a new perspective, but not so long that I've forgotten what it kind of felt like to be that, you know, six months ago self. And there's something about it that feels really precious to me and also really challenging. And, um, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to the lessons that, you know, this kind of reflection is, is going to teach me over, over the next year. And I just want to share that with you. Um, like I said, I'm just, I have just a couple more interviews to do, um, for, for the next season, which I think is season nine at this exact moment, I feel confused. Um, but that will, that will start rolling out in January. Um, I think I also just want to say that, you know, after I re released the Hallowed Wide and um, I think before the knee injury, I think, you know, in November and December of, of 2022, I was starting to say that the thing that I want to do next is, you know, be in kind of a research period. And that sentiment and that kind of thought process has been incredibly active for me throughout this year. 
um, in in many incredible ways and in many very challenging ways. And I, I just want to kind of follow up and just say that, um, you know, that's still true. And I, what I'm realizing kind of in this moment is that I think I have a lot more research to do. <laughs> um, and um, I'm looking forward to, you know, another year of um, hopefully no uh, big surprises, knock on wood, um, but hopefully a lot of, you know, a lot of little surprises. So, okay, let's get into the episode. So this episode is with um, Ross Hagen, who is one of my colleagues at UVU. But um, before this conversation, we'd never really talked. We maybe like met in the hallway one time, like someone was like, hey, have you two met? Ross, this is Emily. Emily, this is Ross. And we were like, hey, gotta go. Um, so this conversation is, is kind of the first conversation we're having, but feels a little unique because we both are part of this um, this kind of social group, which is, you know, the UVU uh, music faculty. And <clears throat> I have been, so, I was so excited to meet Ross and to... Um, you know, to hopefully kind of strike up a friendship. I just am really interested in, um, you know, the work that he's doing. And um, I, I, <laughs> I'd love to talk more. We'll maybe have to have Ross back on to talk even more. He's, um, he's been on sabbatical this semester and has been doing some incredible projects that I, that I'd love to hear about. So maybe we'll see if Ross will come back and tell us about that. But um, for today, <clears throat> let me tell you, let me read you Ross's bio. Ross Hagen is an associate professor of music studies at Utah Valley University, focusing on musicology and ethnomusicology. He has been at UVU since 2010 and received his PhD and Master of Music and Musicology at the University of Colorado at Boulder and his Bachelor of Arts at Davidson College. Dr. Hagen's research interests include underground music scenes, black metal music, medievalism, and avant-garde music. Recent publications include the edited volume, Medievalism and Metal Music Studies, Throwing Down the Gauntlet, um, that's from 2019, and a book on Dark Throne's 1992 album, A Blaze in the Northern Sky, for Bloomsbury 33.3 uh, book series uh, in 2020. Hagen is also an assistant editor for the academic journal Metal Music Studies. I love that that exists. Current research projects include a book on ritual music and modern heathen spiritualities. That's what the sabbatical is about, and I must hear more, along with book chapters involving weird fiction, John Cage, and black metal in the Mountain West. Ross, come back and tell me everything. In addition to his academic work, Dr. Hagen has been active as a performer and composer since the late 1990s, specializing in extreme metal and various shades of abrasive electronic music. Currently, he plays bass and quote-unquote sings in the Salt Lake City death metal trio Monstrology. Without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with my new friend, Ross Hagen. Here comes. Great art almost feels like magic. It opens our minds to brand new ideas and teaches us to see ourselves and our world more clearly. Of course, behind all great art, there are artists. And I think that's where the real magic happens. As we go beneath the art itself to explore how artists do what they do, we see glimpses of the sorts of creativity and resilience that lead to the art that moves our world. And maybe we can learn to borrow some of that magic for our own thinking. That's the goal here. And now that we're on the same page, let's dive in. I'm Emily Merrill, and this is Artifice. 
So, Ross, where did you grow up? Where are you from? Uh, I grew up in uh, Shawnee, Oklahoma. Okay. So, it's, it's like kind of a like a, a suburban stop on the interstate, basically. Okay, like cool. Around Oklahoma City. Cool, cool. Um, I went to North Texas, and a couple of times I accidentally, I, I like to joke, but it's really true, that I drove into Oklahoma several times and then realized, well, at least now I know I'm going north. Yeah, because you know when you're living in Texas and there's no mountains and you don't have a smartphone because it, those don't exist yet, you drive into Oklahoma sometimes. But I always kind of like knowing that Oklahoma City is like right there. It's pretty close. What like two hours north of Denton or something yeah. like that? Cool. Um, okay. Well, I like to always talk with people about like what you know the kind of creative milieu was in their childhoods. Mm-hmm. So maybe you can start by just telling me like what you were up to as a creative child, and it doesn't have to have anything mm-hmm. to do with what you're doing now? Well, I would say that like growing up there, it was, it was one of those places where you kind of had to make your own fun. Okay. And so, you know, in, in high school, you know, cause I, I played music as a child, like going, going through the, um, I guess, I guess they would call it like, like a primary, something like that. Yeah. Or you're talking about like, like a, a music school. A piano. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So like a, a sort of music focused um, classes at Oklahoma Baptist University. Well, wait, as a, as a little kid? Yeah. It's like, like in grade school and okay. doing like choir and stuff and like that. And was that something that like all the kids were doing or had you already shown like a, a preference for that kind of stuff? I was interested in it. How yeah. did that happen? Um, like, how how did how did it become clear, like, at a young age, that you were interested in music? I think, well, I honestly don't. I don't know. Like my my early memories around that are, uh, like, ni- neither of my parents were musicians. Okay. But, um, but my my dad was is definitely like kind of a, a musically interested yeah. person. So he was like um, just playing stuff, yeah, playing records. Yeah. What kind of stuff was, and was so in the home? I remember being very into um, Sgt. Pepper. Yeah. Um, and having, you know, the cassette tape of things off of, off, off of the radio. So yeah. like a lot of Beach Boys and stuff like that. Beach Boys um, are great. Underrated. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Well, yeah, especially when you get into the as later as I got as I got older, getting into some of the stranger things that they did, um, yeah. which were really interesting. I just read Rick Rubin's book. Did you ha- have you heard of it? I have. I haven't read it. it. It's it was so good. I I listened to the audio book. I play in like a wedding band, and I listened to it while I was driving to a wedding in Jackson Hole. And the the book is like about five or six hours long, which is about the length of the drive. And then I just started it again on my way home because it was so good. But he was talking about how like Sgt. Pepper um, is inspired by like a a Beach Boys album, Mm -hmm. which like I didn't know that. Yeah, there's um, and this is something that. uh, Yeah, that I didn't really find out really about this until college, that Mm -hmm. there's. Because they were in kind of a like a competition. Yeah, sort there was of. like a bit of an interplay. Yeah, cool. I mean they were they they shared the same American label, so they were like literally competing for oh, resources. Wow. That's but, crazy. But um, when the album uh, Pet Sounds came out, yeah, that then there was there was this sort of like oh like now we have to do better than that, yeah. and then we had to do better than that, and the Beach Boys put one out that actually they never fully released called Smile that 
was is it's wild like it wow. is wait and, can you find it now yes cool. um but I'll when i encountered it it was because it was never fully released um okay. but there were pieces of it that wound up on other albums yeah. oh, okay and and there was like this sort of bootleg scene where fans would take parts of those and wow. some studio outtakes and try to like reconstruct it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and I encountered one of those bootlegs when I was in college. Okay, cool. And then when uh, Brian Wilson later put out like a re-recorded version of it. Mm. Um, of oh, the whole record? Yeah. yeah wow. And redid it, took it on tour. Wow. And things like that. Cool. But then when I heard that, I was just like, oh no, it's wrong. It's it's not in the right order like it mm. used to be. Oh, so, man. So, so I wound up like preferring the fan creation. Yeah. Will you talk about like just what, how, like if you, if you can remember or just maybe what you've gathered, like talking to your parents as you get older, um, what, what was it like? Like was your, did you have siblings or what, like was your dad like, Hey Ross, like check out this album. Like, were you talking about it? Was there mm. like, was your dad kind of painting like, a picture for you about this music? I don't know that I really got got that out of it. And I'm I'm an only child, so okay. I was uh you know the focus of the world. Uh, yeah, but naturally. <laughs> I think one of the things that I guess as I got into like middle school and high school, my my, my father was an, an English professor okay. at Oklahoma Baptist wow. University. And I have so, so many questions. And so but he was also very interested in like film and pop culture and things cool. like that. So the student, the college students there would give him things. I see. And then that would trickle down to me. That is a perfect answer. Cause okay. First of all, I've been meaning to say, if you're feeling limited by this mic, by this mic stand, like if you feel like you want to talk sideways and it's in front of you, you can just put it like over here, like how mine is if, if you want, oh, Okay. Yeah. like you can put it out sideways, like here, take the whole thing and put <laughs> it like on the side. Yeah, is that easier? That is, actually. That way you can bring yeah. it, like, closer to you? Yeah. I always just tell people you can, like, put it wherever wherever you want. Okay, yeah. that's not going to pick you up at all, though. Okay, Here, let me help. All right. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's fine. Yeah. That I good? just want to make sure it gets yeah. your voice and that all you right. can sit comfortably. But you can also put it, like, you can put it under the chair. The, you know, the arm is pretty long. You can kind of bring it wherever there you me. want. And if there's plenty of slack in the cable. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by, like, childhood... Um, creative development and like, you know, nature versus nurture versus, you know, I don't know. It's just, it's, I'm fascinated by it. And I, I'm always wondering like, how do our relationships with these things begin? And I imagine that having a parent who is a curious person, which like I imagine to be an English professor, your dad would have to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to be having like that, um, having your taste kind of informed by like those college students, probably it was really significant in like your growth. Yeah. Do you want to say anything else about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just kind of how, That's uh, beautiful. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> um, how you wind up, uh, and yeah, that I still have all of these tapes. It's like, there's a tape with, they might be giants on one side and the pixies on the other yeah. and nine inch nails on one side and enigma on the other. Is like, it always rock? All, um, not all, not always, but most of it. Okay, cool. Um, and was your dad mostly listening to rock too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. we had that. I was also, I think from that also, I have, you know, memories of being in grade school and like listening to like the Rite of Spring. Yeah. I had that on a tape. It's Stravinsky. Um, it's really something. The Philip Glass, Koyana Scotsy mm -hmm. score. Mm -hmm. Cool. Um, and, and things like that. And, 
And, you know, my, my mom was an English teacher at the high school. And that just sounds like so dreamy to me. And was that dreamy to be raised by English teachers? Kind of. (laughs) I mean, it, uh, and I remember she was very much into like, um, Kingston trio and, um, and actually a fair, and actually a lot of the, the more sort of classical end of things was, was like, was like her record collection. That's amazing. What about books? Were you, Mm. were you like, uh, affected and was reading a part of your life? Oh yeah, very much. Tell me more. Like, um, you know, I feel like all kind of the, I don't know, maybe kind of like they're sort of like your stereotypical, like, uh, like Ray Bradbury and Isaac Asimov, like all the science fiction stuff. Yeah. As a little Um, kid? Yeah. 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 Uh, Cool. Cool. Um, you know, the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah. Um, Fantasy, all of that. science fiction. Like yeah. that, it's always really interesting to me the way in which like rock and especially like progressive and like metal has such a strong intersection with like fantasy. Oh yeah. It's, yeah. it's cool. Um, did you do any writing as a child, like poetry or stories or um, were you doing any like kind of little I, theatrics? I did, <laughs> but nothing that I felt particularly strongly about. I sure. Think. I mean, I just am interested in like, I, I was, so I was doing some editing last night of like an episode that is going to come out next week. And I was talking with um, Joan Steinman, who is the choir director at um, Paradigm High School. And she's writing a musical right now. And she's just like doing really cool stuff. But we were talking about medium and how it's like, you know, when you're, it, I, these things are unanswerable, but like, sort of like a little bit of a theory that I have, like maybe after doing this podcast for, cause Jones episode is one fifty, mm-hmm. So I've done, I've done a lot of these like kind of in-depth interviews with a lot of musicians, but also I interview like writers and visual artists and chefs and, you know, fringe arts, all kinds of artists and, and, and like artisans. And, um, I am kind of, I kind of have this like little working theory that those of us who, spend our lives doing creative things, there's some kind of like an addictive quality to like that, that feeling of, of creating. And it's almost like as children, I like the idea that we're kind of just like looking for whatever will scratch that itch. And then the older we get, we kind of hone, you know, Mm. and maybe kind of pick a medium, but as children, it's kind of like chaotic. (laughs) And I I think it's excellent. Were you doing any visual art? Um, oh yeah, I, I used to, I, I was quite, uh, I was quite good at drawing dinosaurs. Yeah. Um, I, I drew some dragons in my youth and <laughs> there are a, a couple of times, you know, if I'm back at, back at the house and finding one of my like dinosaur drawings from when I was like 12, like Cute. I got, I got really into it yeah. and I was like, that's really good. Yeah. Isn't that funny? Um, I feel and, similarly yeah. like when I find my old drawings from like junior high, I just think like, I don't have that skill anymore. I, I'm worse at that now. It's a weird thing to feel. And it was also like, I mean, I think there's kind of this sense of, or like ability of, of like concentration that like as a Mm. kid, sometimes like you get so, you'll get so focused, focused in on it. You're telling me that doesn't happen to you now? And it does. You have kids. It does. (laughs) But well, it's, it's something that I, I, I see too. I still totally get like that. that. Like even just. I don't, I don't know what you're like, but I like if I, well, I'm, I'm sure it's different because you have kids cause they need to be on a schedule, but like 
it, when I'm when school's out and I'm just playing in this wedding band, my schedule's like weird anyway. I so quickly will become like a nocturnal person. Like I'll just get fixated on a project and I'm just tinkering on it until the sun comes up. So I still totally do that tunnel vision thing. Yeah. As an adult. <laughs> I think it would be much harder if you have like little humans who need to be regular. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I had another question. Oh, I wanted to ask about, um, like visual media that you were taking in. So like hmm. cartoons or film or, um, what kinds of things were affecting you that way? Uh, lots of, lots of Ren and Stimpy and Monty Python and great. you have great taste as a child and like a lot of and honestly if probably a, a lot of mtv yeah um do you, do you feel time. like you had great taste as a child like was that is i that think something, so is that something uh, that you were like aware of as a kid like did you feel kind of proud about that um i not really i don't know because i was also you know like i i had like sort of like my group my whole group of like weirdo friends yeah that you know we would all you know like the kids at the back of the bus doing like the knights who say knee and everyone's like will you shut up and, i was always you know. doing silly walks around yeah. my high school as well um yeah i i don't know though because i i've again i've talked to a lot of artists and i am fascinated by these kinds of things and these themes do come up and i i feel like sometimes you have like enough of those kind of like nerdy friends that you really can feel kind of a pride about it. Like mm -hmm. we are doing stuff that's cool. Like we're into the same stuff that like these college students are into, or you could feel kind of like a weird, you know, apologetic shame mm. about it. I think there was, you know, I had to, yeah, just, just like this, this great crew of like our, our band nerds cool. and theater nerds. And it sounds who, like your parents were also just cool. Yeah. And they, and they definitely, you know, supported all of that cool all of that kind of thing so when did you start playing an instrument um i started on piano when i was about i was in first grade okay um i'm i'm wretched at it now <laughs> Fair, but, fine um <laughs> was that like was that did you ask to play piano like how did it happen i think so Okay. I don't, I don't remember so quite darling. entirely, but I do think these things are really interesting. Cause like in my family, it was like all of the children in the family will play the piano, mm -hmm. you know? So there was kind of no question of like, it was like, we're going to put you in swim lessons and piano lessons. Um, but for children in a family where that isn't like a precedent, I always think it's so interesting. Like how does a little kid end up in piano lessons? Yeah. Is that little kid like expressing an interest in music and the parents are like, let's try piano or like, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm really interested in the idea of like advocacy from a child, like art mm -hmm. and creative advocacy, asking parents for supplies, you know, asking parents for help and support. It's just, I don't know, fascinating. So you started with piano, didn't take to it like all that strongly. Well, I, I mean, I did, I'm just not good at it now. I see what you're saying. Um, and move from there into I think when I was entering sixth grade and you got to pick an instrument yeah. for band, um, I unwittingly chose the oboe Yeah. Um, because <laughs> I liked the voice on my keyboard that oh was gosh, the oboe so voice and didn't know what I was getting into. Yeah. Oboe is um, not the, it's not the one, but I mean, I, I, I played that throughout high school until one. my, until my freshman oh. year of freshman year of college. I love the oboe. When, yeah, I kind of, I realized that it was sort of a, 
It's like I either need to like become an oboe monk. Yes. Or I need to do something else with my life. I lived with an oboist when I was in college and she was always making reads. And it definitely did seem like a like a lifestyle. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start? Guitar is your main instrument now, right? Yeah. Um, guitar and bass and various like electronic doodads is mostly. Cool. When did you I, start that stuff? Uh, when I was about 14. Okay. Um, so talk to me about like your, well, okay. Maybe I'd like to know first, like when you're, you know, 12-ish and you're starting the oboe and you're like kind of starting band, you've been in piano lessons, you're kind of cultivating a love of music, you're figuring out your taste. Were you like self-identifying as a, as a creative and it doesn't have to be like that explicit, but like, did you kind of feel like a creative child? I'm wondering about your identity. I think so. Yeah. I mean, because it was, there was always this idea of like, you know, wanting to make your own stuff yeah. too, as where a did, part of it. Where was that idea um, coming from? I don't know. Well, I think there was at least, I, I definitely remember in high school, like when I started playing guitar, that I think there was a, a bit of like, you know, listening to all of this college rock stuff and, you know, seeing like Nirvana on MTV and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. And th there is like sort of uh, like wanting to be a part of that. Sure. I think. And like what that it's really it? appealing. Like what um, was appealing to you? I think there was like a, the create the sort of creative side to it. I like, I think there is also, there was also like a little bit of like wanting to be cool. There's such too. a pageantry yeah. in that stuff. Like, and, and it's just like the yeah. costume, like the, the style, like the mm -hmm. visuals of it and the, the kind of presentation of like, you know, these kind of like art, art rock styles, right. um, are just like very compelling. And like, I, I, the memory that I, that sticks in my head from that period is seeing the music video for November rain. Okay. And it has, you know, slash like on top of the piano, just like wailing this guitar solo and like in the desert in front of this church yeah. with like helicopter shots going by. And I was just like that. I was like, I want to do Epic. that. Yeah. Like I want that in my life. Do you like in retrospect, do you have theories about like, was it about like power? Was it about freedom? Was it like, like what, what was appealing about it to you? I think, I think there was a. And keep talking. I just, okay, I like yeah. to see the waveform. Right. Go ahead. I think yeah. there, I think there, I think there, there, there was an element of power in it or, sure. or sort of wanting, Especially if you feel a little that. outcast maybe a as little a bit, kid. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and you did. Yeah. 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 I mean, as, as. Who among us. Yeah. Well, and, in the arts, maybe right. didn't feel a little bit of that. Well, and, and, and as, <laughs> as, as an, as an only child too, you're just sure. kind of just like playing by yourself most of the time. Yeah. And so. Yeah, there, there was like, you know, sort of this, um, yeah, like, 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 like sort of, you know, wanting that power, wanting that status Yeah, a little bit. And was that something that you felt empowered to like express to, you know, safe people, to your parents, to your friends, like declaring that as an interest or was that something that was like a little bit like, maybe I don't want to, um, like, did you have like, uh, were you worried to tell people that you wanted to do that? Maybe because not someone, really. Okay. No. I mean, and, and, you know, I don't know that I would have put it in those, in those terms. Sure. Like 
Um, but, but yeah, I was like, you know, well, I want to get a guitar. It's cool. like, well, okay. Like mow your neighbor's lawn for a month yeah. and earn the money well, and go get it. That's or, awesome. A month. That's crazy. Or will, or, um, or, you know, if you save up, like, I, I can't remember exactly, but like, you know, if you save up, like maybe they bought like half. Of yeah. It I love like that. that. I mean, again, this advocacy, this like, gosh, I mean, you'll, I'm sure you've thought about this. I think about it nonstop because I teach college students, but you know, this idea of like motivation, like where do we, where do we get this kind of like self-starter thing? And I know I just had it. Like I had that as a kid. Cause I wanted those things. Like I, I, I wanted to make those visions like a reality, mm-hmm. but I do think I was shy about it. Like a lot of that stuff was like a kind of a secret for me. Hmm. Like I kept it pretty tight. My, my situation is, um, I'm the oldest of four kids and my, my family is like really, really harsh. Um, I, my mom, um, passed away like five years ago, but she was like narcissistic and, and mm. very abusive to me. And, um, my dad is like also, I don't know, but I don't talk to him anymore. But uh, it's just a very, like, non-creative environment, a very, Mm. like, strict, like, conforming, like, it matters a lot how we look to people. And Mm. um, I was, like, a creative little magical weirdo and Mm. did not belong well in that family. So I think, like, a lot of my creativity was kind of escapist for me, which I'm Mm. sure it's like that for... Yeah. It was like that for you too, but in a, in a different way. Um, but I was escaping from, you know, my family, I think. Yeah. And, and then also kind of a secret, like kind mm. of, kind of a, kind of a private, like a private desire that I didn't dare. Like, you know, it's like a little bit of a pearls before swine situation or like mm-hmm. if you have a, a little hope and it feels kind of precious, like you don't want to, you don't want to express that in front of people who are not going to be supportive. Right. You know? But that's why I'm wondering, like, if that was an identity you felt like comfortable kind of outwardly exploring and kind of declaring in in your teens. Oh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I think so. Um, It was, I mean, for from my my parents point of view with that and like sort of with my with my friend group, like we were all just like. You know, well, what are we going to do? I don't know. Let's make a crappy horror movie with the camcorder. You were making films, too. Cool. Or. yeah, cause I remember I was really into into monster movies and like tried to do like yeah. stop motion things. That's with, awesome. And do, do those things feel related? Like, is there a through line from like the the things you like to read, the classical music, the rock music, the films? Like, is there is there kind of a thing? I think so. Well, because it's like you get to yeah, because I mean, so much of it, I or at least the things that I often enjoy the most are are things that sort of create like this other world yeah. for you. Yes. And, you know, whether it's, um, you know, science fiction or that feels right. prehistoric stuff or, um, I'm very taken with world building as well. Yeah. Yeah. My, my re- most recent record that um, came out in the fall is kind of a concept record. That's it's sort of like a, f- I call it like fantasy pop, but it's, it's like a, it's like a hero's journey through like an, an enchanted, like, Canyon. (laughs) (laughs) I'll give you a copy before you leave if you want. Um, but I'm also like, I also love fantasy and world building. That's why I like, I I keep thinking, I'm like, I've got to talk to Ross. Cause I bet that we like, I bet we have a lot of similar, like, I bet we like a lot of similar things. Um, and I don't know, I've been thinking a lot lately about like, this is kind of a tangent, but I've been thinking a lot lately about community and kind of what it means and sort of culture and, 
I don't know. I just think like we're in like a time, at least from my perspective at UVU, where like we really have an opportunity to kind of build like a really unique culture. And I feel Mm -hmm. like one thing that I really loved from my time at North Texas was this idea that like all of the faculty are are our faculty, like regardless of whether you ever take like Mm -hmm. a class from that person. And like all of the students are our students. So I think if as faculty, we kind of like understand each other's like artistic strengths. I just feel like I would love to be able to tell students like, oh, well, you know, Dr. Hagen does these things. You're a doctor, right? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I didn't want to presume. (laughs) I'm not just a simple master. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay. Uh, Tell me how you handled in your own kind of like teenage identity, playing oboe in the band and being into like rock and making movies. What was that like? I mean, it was all part of the same, uh, I feel like it was kind of just, just all part of the same thing. You're just being that, wildly creative that it's, all over the place. And, you know, because like, you know, I was playing rock music with my friends who were also in band, who we were also, you know, kind of in the theater world a little bit there, such as it you was. You were doing some acting too? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Not very well, but sure. But it it. was an interest. But doing it, yeah. I mean, I love I love art being made badly by children and and by anyone. Yeah. Um, and not not that it's not that you know this is this, but my in my private studio here in my home, I almost exclusively teach like adult beginners. Yeah. And I feel like there's something so profound about being willing to like begin. Yeah. And oh, I love it. And we had it lights me up. Yeah. And, and I, you know, when I think back on it, I definitely, you know, cause when I started like my little rock band, it yeah. was like, let's start a band. I'll learn how to play guitar. You learn how to play drums. Yeah. Were you in charge and, of the band? Was it kind of, was, were you kind of the, the uh, a little bit, the, I mean, the instigator at that point? Yeah. But I want to ask about, so I'm, I'm imagining your home being like an academic vibe. Yes. With both parents being teachers. Yeah. Um, were you understanding your own artistic pursuits? Like I hear you saying certainly there was like a coolness about like the rock, but did you also feel like it was like intellectually rigorous? Was that part of it then? Um, it must be now because you got now a doctor, it is. You got now a doctoral is, degree. But... So <laughs> at some point there was academia and you're a professor too. I... I'm not sure because yeah. I, like I would say, I would say yes in that, um, you know, some of our, that, you know, I kind of like enjoyed the, um, thinking about it and studying yes. it and, and, you know, getting a, getting a CD and like, you know, pouring over the liner notes I, I and remember this feeling as well and looking at, um, and especially like looking at, uh, the, the list of like thank yous. And then yeah. being like, I need to find out who all these people yeah. are. And Oh, it was such an intriguing thing before the internet. Yeah. I remember just feeling like, do, do you remember the feeling of like just having burning questions that there was truly no way to answer? Like, it's something I deeply love yeah. about like the present. Nearly any question you have, yeah. you can find an answer to. And it's something where, you know, in the classes I teach, I teach now, it's where I shake my cane at the students a little bit because 
Yeah. You know, I had been, you know, I, you know, for when I was in like middle school, you know, I was a fan of like, you know, they might be giants and REM and mm. the Pixies and Nine Inch Nails. And I had no idea what they looked like for yeah. probably four or five years of yeah. being like a really, a really An intensely fan. loving yeah. their music. And oh. unless, and yeah. And just being like, like, who are these people? I don't yeah. know. You like, don't know anything about them. Nothing about them. You can't know them. where they're from. You can't know how they yep. met. You can't know who writes what. Well, maybe some of that, maybe some of that's in the liner notes. But like the idea of like, what's the, what's the vibe like in this yeah. band? Or like listening to so much Pink Floyd, like, and there's like no, and there's no pictures of them yeah. in any of the albums just a prison. that I had. Yeah. And so it's just kind of like, well, you know. Yeah. Wait, so you're shaking your cane at the students to say it's not all about the image. Kind of. Yeah. yeah. And also, and also to, yeah, as, as, yeah. as a sort of like, this is, you know, how things were different yeah. and that, yeah, that if I wanted Gosh. to, that if I wanted to buy a CD, I had to save my money and my yeah. mom would drive me to the mall. And if it sucked, well, I still listened to it. Yeah. yeah I, w- I was talking about this with someone recently, like buying a CD, buying an entire CD that you are spending your like babysitting money on or whatever, yeah. your lawn mowing money. It's, you know, CDs were like $25, which is a lot of money in mm-hmm. the 90s or whenever you, I mean, yeah. I think we're probably like, and you're, and you're buying it to the exclusion of everything else. Yes. That's what I was just going to yeah. say. Like yeah. you have to really make a decision and sometimes you, you gamble, you buy a CD because there's one song you heard on the radio that you want to be able to hear whenever you want. And then you're so right. Like the dud, the duds on the record, you're going to learn them. You're going to learn them mm-hmm. too. And sometimes, you know, I'm sure you've experienced this, but the things that you, that don't hit you on first blush, like become the favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, gosh, yeah. I, I think about this so much. Our students, it's, we're at such a weird time right now. Like everything about music, the music industry is so different than it was even like, I always, I always kind of joke, like, it's not a joke. It's true. But I always reflect, you know, it's funny. Um, YouTube was invented like my freshman year of college mm-hmm. and Spotify was invented the year I finished my master's degree. And just like, I don't know, there's something about that. That's just like, these things were just so new. And we, we, you and you and I like are, are completely, we've had, we have had a completely different experience yeah. than our students. And I, I, I'm burdened by this idea of like, how can we do right by them when we don't understand like what it's like? It's crazy to me. Yeah. Ugh. Um, were you philosophizing about anything in your teens? Philosophizing? Or just uh, like, you know, what were yeah. you, were you thinking a lot? Was the, was the, the mm. Ross who becomes an yeah. academic, like where was he in your teens? I think, uh, you know, I was doing a lot of, you know, besides the, the performing, I mean, I was always like, I was really, I guess coming out of that family, like I was really good at school. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was good at school too. And so, you know, and I kind of joke, like I was so good at school, I never left, but I feel, um, no, I feel the same way. Um, and you know, I joined the family business, but it, uh, but yeah, I mean, there was, you know, I was also you know, I was, I was really into, into science, not so much the math side, but, yeah. you know, just really You're curious. Yeah. And, 
uh, I was still, you know, doing lots of, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of reading and cool. you know, not just science fiction, but, you know, getting into, curious getting into more, stuff. yeah, getting into more of the literature. Things Have like you that. always been like kind of, uh, predisposed to like push the boundaries of your understanding? Is that something that's like, I think so. Yeah. yeah kind of yeah. regular for you. Okay. So when you're like getting ready to go to college, um, was there a question about what exactly am I going to major in? What mm-hmm. am I going to do? And please tell me about that. Yeah, I had no idea. Um, so I went to, uh, Davidson college, which is in, is in North Carolina. Okay. Um, it's, it's it, in, in a lot of ways it is, it's like sort of your stereotypical, like liberal arts school okay. with, you know, red brick buildings. And How did you lawns. end up there? Um, my father went there. Okay. And when we were touring, colleges because my grandparents lived in Virginia so we were on the east coast a okay. fair bit in the summers okay, cool and and he took me there um just to just to check it out I he hadn't ever really like pushed it or talked about it but mm. but I thought it was I thought it was great and so I was able to go there and what were um, you majoring in I ultimately did major in music and um, was it was it hard to decide like what kind like what instrument you're focusing on? Is it composition? Like what, what did you end up doing? It was, I I wound up essentially doing a degree in musicology. How did you like realize that was a thing? Tell me. Yeah. Yeah. It it. was, um, you know, when I kind of fell into it, I had, a um, a mentor there who was a new, new faculty. I mean, it was a very small school too. Okay. Um, I think there were only probably about half a dozen music faculty. Um, and my mentor there was a, his name is, um, Neil Lerner, who he was a, um, was, is a scholar of, uh, Aaron Copeland okay. and film music and things like that. I and like Aaron Copeland. And, you know, after, you know, kind of going through the theory things, music history things, and then. Wait, so yeah. when you went out there, mm-hmm. you just knew something music. I'm just I gonna... didn't, I didn't necessarily know okay. that. So um, you went out there because you just had a good feeling about the school mm-hmm. and you started kind of just without maybe a declared major and you're just yeah, taking, you're one. Just taking yeah. classes. Yeah. Um, do you remember like, no, like, uh, uh, maybe, a, maybe it doesn't have to be like a moment, but like a time when you were like, kind of learned what musicology was and like, were you interested right away? I think it was... Yeah, it was it was probably in those in those music music history classes okay. and getting to do like um, Dr. Lerner did a we did a whole a whole semester just focused on Copeland. Wow, that's crazy. Um, that's very rare. Yeah. Um, I, what's my question? Um, do you, so. Well, OK, first of all, maybe you ought to just define musicology for the listener. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Tell us what it yeah. is. So in this case, it's. um you know, kind of looking at the intersections between sort of music and its context and its history okay, and sort of like what's going on, you know, in, in some cases you can, you, you are dealing with, you know, score study, like trying to figure out like, uh, how the thing, how happened. the, how, how the thing happened. Um, and at least initially a lot of it was you know, like, if we're, if, if we're looking at this, um, Bach manuscript or a Beethoven manuscript, yeah. like, which like how much of that is like should be in like the official like this is the the um 
score that we have decided is yeah. is that. Um, oh. Which, depending on who you're looking at, can be kind of can be quite difficult. That's so crazy. Um, and you and that just like was interesting to you right away. It was interesting to me. Yeah. It was interesting in you know with that that sort of like uh, I don't know. It's like this, sort of this search for yeah. something in there, but then also getting into like the puzzle, kind of yeah, the puzzle yes, solving. Yeah, of yeah, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, and I totally get that. And then also trying to like you know put together like what's going on around it. Yeah. Um, you know, how it, how it intersects with like literature and philosophy and, um, are you interested in philosophy? Mm -hmm. How did that like begin for you? I think it was, I think in, in a lot of ways, maybe it, maybe it does come from like kind of the, the science fiction sort of side Mm -hmm. of things, because Mm -hmm. there's always sort of that side to it. Mm. I think too, where you're dealing with, Existential ethical, questions. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, yes. like ethical dilemmas yeah. and things like that. Oh, I love it. I was just telling Andrew, my husband, a couple of days ago that when I was a kid, my, my dad is a lawyer. And when I was little, like probably 10 or something, I was asking him questions about college because I also just like had a weird romantic idea about college as like a little kid for some reason, just felt like that seems like a place I want to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was asking my dad like about his college classes and what he liked. And he was telling me that he had taken a class. Um, he went to BYU um, and he had taken a class um, that was called like just logic or something like mm-hmm. that. And, uh, and the whole class was just like the f- kind of philosophy of, of logic or like the art of logic. And I remember just like as a child, just being like, ugh. So dreamy. What I can't even imagine a dreamier thing than just like being in a room of smart people, like with a discussion led by a teacher who like is brilliant talking about, you know, logical fallacies. And like, I just, as a little kid, I just thought like, that sounds like the best thing in the world. But yeah, like these kinds of philosophical, ethical, I don't know, rigorous type of, uh, conversation. It's just, I mean, philosophy is really, from my perspective, it's interesting conversation. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is like, what's better than that? Uh, why do you think I have a podcast? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting conversation is my favorite thing. Um, I wanted to ask, was there an issue with you being kind of like in the classical world, but then having this like love of, of rock music? Was that Mm. an issue for anyone? It never really was. Cool. No. Definitely um, could be at some schools. Yeah. Yeah, that's and great that it wasn't. Yeah, the, the great thing about Davidson was that because it was so small that, you know, I graduated with, there were three other, three other music majors. Wow. Oh my gosh, three other. Uh, I thought you were going to say three musicology majors and I was still going to think that was small. Um, wow. How many, like three total music majors? How did they keep the program alive? Well, it How did was, that even happen? You know, it's, it's a, I would say, you know, it's, it's a, it's a small school. It is, it is, it is a pretty wealthy school, okay. I will say. Yeah. Um, and, but, you know, there, there was a, you know, I, I played in the, in the orchestra for a little bit. You played and, oboe? Yeah. Okay. And played in their jazz band. And a lot of times it was, you know, that the orchestra would be half people from the town. Okay. Wow. Um, and wow. And, and of course, almost and almost. You know, and of course, we only have like a few music majors. Do you want to say anything about what that was like? That seems very unique. Like 
maybe I'm curious about the people of it, you know, like, Hmm. like being, uh, being interacting in a close way, playing in an orchestra with people who weren't just all students. Like, Hmm. do do you feel like that was something for your development? I mean, I mean, yeah, maybe not, maybe not, not so much in orchestra. I don't think because I was as an, as an, as an oboist, when I was doing that, I was mostly just terrified. Um, but, (laughs) but in in jazz, man, yeah, it was, you know, it was kind of, you'd have like, you know, alumni would come and play and things like, because, and it would literally be like, well, like we only have two trumpet players, we need a third one. Um, that seems really interesting. Like, you know, to this idea of like, community like mm-hmm. learning how to be in a community with people who are different ages you know to see yourself as a peer with older adults with adults who are doing different kinds of things that seems pretty like confidence building or or something like it seems like there would be kind of like a a skill set developed because of that that's pretty mm-hmm. unique or or kind of yeah i think ahead. so i think so i don't know that it cuz i was i was playing guitar in the jazz band and I'm certain that like the students who were like, who were like in the section with the older person who comes in, that then that does kind of, you know, having, having been in different situations with that, like that does like you, you sit, you step. Yeah. Uh, Do you have any other thoughts about like, just, you know, the experiences that you had, like maybe in that undergraduate degree, like as it pertains to your creative identity, Mm. your creative development, you know, the kind of beginnings of new skills. Yeah, there were there were a lot. I mean, we were doing. I played in a couple of musicals that um, were just entirely sort of student productions wow. that, um, you know, and very just kind of uh, fly by night a little bit. But sure. but like we, we did Hair and Jesus Christ Superstar, wow. the ones I remember doing, cool. and um, and those were quite challenging. Yeah, um, and it was also. A place where I got to kind of start getting into electronic music more because cool. they had like a little, you know, by today's standards, a very basic little studio little production setup that um, I took. A, I took a class in that, and then yeah, I was just you know really kind of dove into that for a while. Cool, that's awesome. Um, so then what happened? Like, so you eventually kind of like found your way into musicology. Were you saying something about that? The Aaron Copeland semester was, what, did mm. I interrupt you saying something about that? Oh no. Well, it was just like, I, I think that was just sort of a model for like, this is how like you can really do a deep dive mm-hmm. on things. That's and, cool. and then, you know, taking, um, taking a, a world music class and getting involved in that. I was Tell work- me about that. What, what was that like? Um, well, I just, I just remember it being, uh, like hearing things like, um, the, like Javanese gamelan yeah. and, um, you know, like I'd Indian heard classical music. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I had, I had, I had heard that, but then I, like I, I knew that sound, but then like starting to like understand how it worked yeah. and then Mind understanding blowing. that, you know, the musical structures are familiar but they're also completely different yeah and that and then um yeah it sort of like t- 
twists your head around a little bit in yes. the ways of your thinking about your own playing Paradigm and composing shifting. and th things like that. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I feel like that's what college was all about for me too. in in all my different classes, but I, I distinctly remember like taking my first, well, taking an ethnomusicology class and feeling really similarly. Like, yeah, I've, I've heard these like Indian music sounds in like a mm -hmm. restaurant maybe. Um, but to know like this music is kind of like mathematically and structurally like just completely different and yeah same thing like hearing gamelan and just thinking i've never heard anything like this i've never heard like just even sonically like a, a you know a metal instrument in this kind of mm -hmm. way and like to say nothing of like the you know the the, the harmonies like the the kind of the melodies the harmonies yep. the, the rhythms um but yeah just it, it really it really makes you kind of see the world as like this big open place yeah. And even, I mean, and even to the extent of like taking, you know, theory classes and counterpoint classes and, and, yeah. and classical stuff was, was a way that I hadn't really thought about things either because I was, I love it. I mean, I was, I was a, I was a rock player Yeah, and I get in there and it's like, wait, what do you mean? I can't do parallel fifths. <laughs> like that yeah. sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and then, <clears throat> and so then you sort of, you, you learn, can. Do then, them. Yeah. And then you like <laughs> learn this, this sort of mu new musical language. Yeah. And. Oh, it's uh, fascinating. And just like a new, uh, a new, a new framework. New modality. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, you know, once you get it and live with it for a little bit, like, well, actually, yeah, like the those parallel fists don't really work there, do they? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> wow. Yeah. I, I totally hear you. I, I do think it's also like, if you like this world building, like if you like a world built the, music as a, as a, as this field of study is so rich for this kind of thing, because every period in time, every place in the world, every genre kind of is its own like beautiful microcosm and kind of like putting your mind in like that mind is such mm -hmm. a, a thrilling exercise. Yeah. I can see that being like, uh, you know, addictive, <laughs> like just something that you always want more of. So you kind of, you kind of settled into musicology, finished your bachelor's degree and then grad school. What happened next? Um, I took a year of like working a regular job and realized I didn't like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, went out to, um, university of Colorado in okay. Boulder. Cool. Um, and what was that choice about? That choice was about uh, the. There were a, a couple of faculty there that I met that I really liked. Um, there was a significant part of it was follow was uh, following a college girlfriend. Okay. Out there, um, and and was there like a cultural component too, like wanting to kind of experience like a different type of a culture. I think so, maybe I don't, uh, but I mean Boulder. Like when you get if you it's. It's a great place to spend eight years. Yeah. So um, you did your master's and your doctorate there. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. And was your, were, were, were your master's and your doctorate both in musicology? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then maybe can you tell me like what you, like what were you studying in your master's degree mm. and then like what were you studying in your doctorate? I was doing, um, I mean, it was all over the place. Like it was, you know, I had a, a whole seminar semester on medieval music Cool. which I found really, really quite fascinating. Um, 
and things like what, like what what is medieval music like not baroque no no yeah like, what like um, like lutes some lutes uh our actually that seminar was really focused on chant okay um, okay because we had okay. a um a like really palestrina from that time uh earlier okay yeah yeah okay um and it's a, it's a time that I also find really, really fascinating to, to study and to, and to teach about because it's yeah. a time period where the music that, uh, even classical musicians are familiar with, like it doesn't exist yet. Mm. Um, and you can mm. kind of start to see it happen in some ways, but, but the music still behaves, it behaves very differently. What um, time period is medieval? I should um, know this, but I don't. It would be I'm realizing in this moment that I don't. Yeah, for anything, anything from about, at least from the notated stuff, from somewhere around like the Hildegard von Bingen. Yes. To yeah. when? Yeah, uh, from from around that up until uh, the, the, the Renaissance would be like the 1400s. Or okay. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah, I'm just trying to kind of like think like, what do I know about this time period? And like, probably very little. Um, is that like plague times? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, there's some plagues. Yeah, I do know so. a bit about that. Um, okay, yes. So you were studying medieval music. And then what else were you working on? Um, in that good old master's degree? Yeah, in the master's <laughs> degree, I did. I was doing that. See, my my advisor, um, Jeremy Smith was a uh, his his specialty, he has kind of two specialties of, um, English Renaissance and like seventies prog rock. Amazing. And perfect. That's perfect for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I did my, um, my master's thesis was on, uh, heavy metal in Norway. Wow. And Fugazi. Uh, no. That's later. Yeah. yeah. Uh, this was actually around the same time period. Okay. Cool. Um, Just give, uh, me, give me some ideas. Uh, the, the band that I was focused on a lot was a band named Emperor. Okay. That do they have, I don't know, a really like sort of symphonic, like Wagnerian kind of sound okay. to it. Cool. Um, very actually incredibly difficult to play. Cool. Um, and I'm not surprised that like you linked those things up in that way. Like it, it feels, I mean, I think it could seem like, okay, you know, oboe and like metal guitar are really different, but depending on what time periods you're thinking about, it's not that different. No, yeah. No. It's world building and puzzles, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And these guys were part of a, a scene in the 1990s. They got some philosophy as well. Yeah. And they got really into... I don't know. There was, there was a real sort of almost kind of like nationalistic vibe. Like this is Norwegian okay. stuff. And, and some of them took that to bad places. Yeah. Like I, wasn't um, there like a, there was like a murdery situation. There was with some of those guys. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I listened to you, do you know, on last podcast on the left? Yes, I do. I yeah. listened to that. So like, like I'm like, I, I listened to their plague series. I listened to their like Norwegian, like death metal series. Yep. So I'm like realizing that like everything I know about what you're talking about is like from that podcast, but and, and it like gives you I've, a touch point for yeah. me. And I've, 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 I've listened to that episode and it's, in some way it's, it's, it's not wrong. Sure. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, I listened to their Mormonism series and felt well, yeah. similarly. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, well, spot on you guys. And it was something that, 
for uh, academic interest, it worked in a really uh, a really nice way in that it would kind of, that it it was like a musical scene that was like tied to sort of an, an idea about what the culture was. Tell me everything. And I'm so into that. And this idea of like trying to like revive what they imagined like this like glorious Viking past mm, would be. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, and for working in music, in musicology, like that's like, that was kind of like, that's very juicy. Yeah. Um, Tell me and, why, like why? Well, because you're, you're able to then like the thing that I was doing with it was because when people were, were writing about it, it was mostly like, you know, you'd write about like the true crime aspect or, okay. or something like that. Yeah. Um, but no one was, no one seemed to have the, the, uh, desire to really get into the music itself and to be like, here's yeah. like aspects of the music that actually reflect this. That's such a good point. And, and so when I sort of saw that, then it was like, oh, like, here's a, here's a thing. Cool. What was it like for you to kind of like have that idea? Like, does that feel like storytelling to you? Does it feel like solving a puzzle? Like, um, I, I think know. the, I think the, the puzzle solving aspect is, I think a big, a big part. Cause yeah. it seems like, oh, like this finally Fits. I really get that. Like it's um, so, it's such a satisfying feeling. I've talked about this with several of my podcast guests and you know, it's something I've been, I've, I think because of this knee surgery, maybe like it's, it's genuinely been like a life thing for me. <laughs> like it's been fucking rough and, uh, it's, it's presented me with like a lot of time to think and like, just get, I don't know, confront things that I maybe didn't want to confront hmm. anyway. It's been like psychologically and emotionally and like in a kind of growth and development, very weird and timely. Um, and, uh, I've, so I've been kind of thinking a lot about like, what am I doing? Like, so I had, I had this knee surgery. I, I tore my other ACL when I was 17. So it's been making me think about like that, like then to now, like my last knee surgery to my present knee surgery. I've been thinking about the fact that I've been in Utah for 10 years, this, like this year's 10 years. Um, which means I've been in my career 10 years. Cause I moved here like right when I finished my master's. Um, and I just turned 35, which is also like a, a chunky number, you know, to kind of consider anyway, all this to say, I've been thinking, I've just been kind of reflecting a lot lately and feeling that like this, um, this thing that I'm doing, like the podcast and, and in, in conjunction with like the teaching that I'm doing, like all these different things I feel like are, are giving me like a very specific insight into like what creativity is about. Hmm. Cause I have such a sampling, like yeah. I'm exposed to like so much data. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, I've been thinking a lot about this idea of like puzzles and patterns and I suspect that a lot of us that are in the arts are in it for the puzzles and the patterns. Uh, I, I think I love stories too, but like what's better than a pattern? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that was a very circuitous way of saying, <laughs> I think a lot of us are in it for the patterns and the puzzles. Yeah. It's, I think it's like a, it's like an archetype of creativity that satisfies like many writers, many musicians, many visual artists, right? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to say about the master's degree? 
No, I mean, that was, and I, I, although I will say that that thesis wound up being the first, uh, my first academic publication, but uh, probably about a decade later. What was your like identity like at that time? Like when you would introduce yourself to people, you know, who were maybe in or out of the arts, like how were you kind of feeling as like a creative young man? It was, it's interesting because like doing the, one of the aspects of, because I was I was making a lot of sort of like electronic and avant-garde okay. kinds of stuff then. I was just about to ask you what you were making. And, so that's great to know. And, you know, kind of finding the sort of group of people around Boulder and Denver mm-hmm. who were doing that became like sort of once I found that crew, like that was, that was because I, I think there is like one of the things about that kind of music that was in some ways beneficial is that you kind of do it on, like you do it by yourself yeah, in many cases. Totally. You, know, you don't need to have, you don't need to find other players or any, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean the electronic music? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And um, musicology. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. Kind of solo endeavors. Yeah. Um, but you know, finding the, the community of people around that is, yeah. uh, is I think really, really important. And, and so, yeah, I was doing, you know, be doing the grad school stuff and then, um, you know, doing like sort of weird, like noise industrial things awesome. like with, uh, and, you know, and I, I did have, um, groups that I, that I, that I, uh, played with at one, like sort of like, sort of Bands. Im- like improvisational trio. Oh, cool. And I had one metal project that I was playing bass in with a guitarist and we were both doing vocals and then we had a drum machine that wore a Viking cool. hat. <laughs> and I love it. Because we couldn't be bothered to find a drummer. Were you like, okay, this is kind of a weird question and like, maybe you'll have an answer and maybe you won't, but I'm curious, like, you know, what, what was it like, like in your kind of mind and your heart at that time? Like, were you feeling like, were you just like overwhelmed by like being excited about all these projects? Were you feeling insecure about anything? Were you feeling like, like what, what was kind of just going on? Like Hmm. in your kind of human development? I don't know. I mean, there was there was a, a a lot of excitement I think on the creative end. Grad, grad school was you know I was you're excited about it, but it's also it's pretty intense. Yeah. And and then also you know once you once you're into it for a, for a few years, you then you know there'll be these things like you know what the hell have I done? Yes. Like totally. Um, I was just gonna like say I'm to that effect. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like I'm I'm working all the time. Like I'm broke. I'm uh, and, and then it's like, and like, like, what's the end game for this? Yes. This um, existential crisis of like an art academic. Yeah. I, I deeply understand and, and went through similar things. I, I didn't get a doctorate, but I remember feeling like I am so blissed out in love with like the studies that I'm doing, but also feeling kind of, there's this undercurrent of dread and mm-hmm. fear of like, what will I do? <laughs> what will mm-hmm. it become? Um, I don't know. I think these things are interesting. Like the podcast is called Artifice and it's because like, I just, I know from being an artist and you know, the vast majority of people I interact with are, are artists. Um, we, the stuff that we're dealing with, like the, the behind the scenes, whether that's internal or like the behind the scenes of production or the behind the scenes of practice, it's so unknowable and so fascinating to me. And I'm also really interested in like human development and kind of what, 
our creative identities mean to us. Mm. And it seems like those, you know, those, the years in your twenties, when you're kind of like, you know, you're building your identity, you're kind of figuring out what kind of an adult you're going to be. Um, I don't know. I'm curious about it. Curious what it's like, you know, and not the kind of like in retrospect, like this is the narrative I choose, but like at that time, like what's yeah. going on? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was in some ways kind of, well, you know, I guess I'm only thinking of it in retrospect, but I think at the, at the, at, at the time there was sort of this, uh, I don't know, you're, it's like you're sort of constantly putting out the fire in front of you. Yeah, um, sure. And, and just sort of. Yeah, like like not really having necessarily a sense of where where it's going to go, where it's going to end. It's just sort of yeah. And I mean, and there was maybe a a side to it in well, in retrospect, even though you said that's not what you wanted, but that no, no. but that it's like either way, but 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 that it's kind of like I feel like there was there was a side to it that like although it was kind of chaotic, like being in school was very comfortable for me. Yeah, yeah, I totally um, get it, and I really and it get was it. Just like. Like, I know how this, I know how this works. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Something safe about it. I really, really get it. And, and that dread, I think a lot of that dread for me was probably, you know, it was, it was related to like religion and gender and like, Mm -hmm. you know, um, being in school means I can function in the world just like all the men that I know and finishing school. Suddenly that feels very like ill-defined and like what, what am I allowed to try? But yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, I'm curious about the kind of, um, you know, relationship between, or, or just what's going on with like the confidence that you're building as a researcher, as a musician, as like a, a person who has ideas and writes papers and like, you know, what's the, what's the kind of confidence or lack thereof in like your person. And you're like, Hmm. you know, I don't know for me, like those things were not at all integrated like at that yeah. time in my life does that feel familiar to you kind of, i mean yeah it's because there was there was this uh yeah just just like sort of a i don't know it's like you're you're you i remember it being being like you're in this kind of a com- a comfortable place like yeah. i said because like you know like i know how this world works yeah. um but but yeah, and, and in some cases being in like, I, know, I just remember like the music theory seminar and being in there and it's like, I have no idea what's going on with this. And, yeah. and, you know, thankfully, but, but also I, I, to me, like I, I felt like there was always a very supportive community mm-hmm. there that's uh, cool. yeah. at, at, uh, around this kind of thing. Sure. And this kind of thing being like being just like identity weirdness. Yeah. Or okay. like, or like identifying as an academic, as a musician, as creative, um, you know, and, and not, not really getting the, you know, well, what are you going to do with that degree? Like mm. not, not really getting that kind of, of, uh, pushback on it. Yeah. I don't feel like I ever got that, which I feel really, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing that, you know, I feel really sort of um, enabled me to be like, well, yeah, I'm going to go get a degree in musicology. Yeah. What's that? I don't. And it's so ephemeral, isn't it? Like, I think about that a lot with our students. Like, just it's so fragile. I uh-huh. think, like, 
that hope, that kind of desire to like make things, to learn about creative things, to dedicate your life to these kind of, you know, esoteric phenomena. Like it's just, I don't know, it's a beautiful endeavor, but it's also weird and it's, and you have to really mean it, you know, I don't know. It's, I think a lot about, I think a lot about how we can, Cause even if you're, I, I feel like even if as a professor, if you're trying to be supportive, you could get it wrong. Like mm-hmm. you never know what that spark is about for your students. Right. I'm always trying, I'm always trying to be so careful to, to feed it and not to like put boundaries on it. Uh, but it's, it's tricky. It <laughs> I, is. I think and, about it a lot. And, you know, I remember some of my, you know, the, the best experiences I had with a, as a student were professors who you could tell, like, you know, you know, you get back your, your paper draft or something and it's just like covered. Yeah. And, and, but you know that it, they did that because they care. They care about you. And, yeah. and they know that it can be better. Yeah. And, and things where, you know, I, I, remember one point, like I was like trying to chew over some, it was when I was writing my thesis and we're just like, you know, sort of like talking it out, yeah. I guess. And, 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 you know, the, um, my professor, she's like, you know, she's like, and she kind of like plops it down on the table. It's like, what are you writing about? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you hem and haw and like, and then finally something comes out and she's like, that's great. That's not in here anywhere. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. I was literally just list. This is like one of those um, simulation things. But I was literally just last night listening to something like ta- on the subject of writing. And it was like, you know, having the kind of bravery to like stop thinking about what you think you're writing about and just n- realize what it's about. Yeah. <laughs> it's really yeah. interesting. And- but that's a perfect point because. Yeah, sometimes in order to like fan that flame like as best you can, you have to tell the students like, "Hey, you can do better." Mm-hmm. Like I I you should have higher expectations for yourself. Um and sometimes it's it's I wouldn't even call it like tough love, but it's like um just being rigorous, like mm-hmm. challenging your students in a rigorous way, and sometimes they can't handle that. Yeah. And that, and that, and I, I always think about this, like, you know, I was at North Texas, like I was the only Mormon there and I really tried not to make it a thing. Like, I think I was pretty, I think I was pretty cool. And you know, I, I, I know this is mostly true because the people who I knew back then who I still talk to are like, we knew you weren't, we knew, we knew you weren't going to last. We knew it wasn't going to last the Mormonism, not me. Um, which tells me, I think that I was open-minded enough, but the truth is like, I was really a fish out of water and I was very insecure and I, um, had a lot of like trauma, um, Mm. from that kind of fundamentalist religious background. And my family's pretty intense. And also, you know, my parents were really abusive people and, I was so fragile. I was so fucking fragile. And I, I went out there, you know, I moved to Texas. I, I grew up in Arizona and I, I went out there. I was 19 years old, very sheltered. I grew up in Mesa, Arizona, you know, just in this very safe little, extremely Mormon mm-hmm. suburb, um, and moved to, you know, 
moved to Denton, which is a hippie town. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's super liberal there. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was it, it it. I'm lucky, I think, that I'm really stubborn because it's I so easily could have like not made it. You know, yeah. I, I so easily could have just been like, this is too much emotionally for me. Hmm. And it would have had nothing to do with like whether or not I could understand bebop you know yeah (laughs) just so you never know you never know what your students are you never know when they need like all of the grace in the world and they just need to be told like you're a good person follow your passions you'll figure it out or when they need to be told like get your shit together you can do better yeah (laughs) it's really hard to tell (laughs) yeah and and that's and like well yeah having it's interesting because I mean, because my my background with that was I mean, because growing up in it, it was interesting. Like when I when I moved here, um, you know, it was like in some ways it was a lot like Oklahoma because mm-hmm. I was I mean it's a very I mean it's much worse now, but even back then it was you know a very a very religious and very conservative it's kind so of sad place. That it's worse now and it's such a bummer. Um, uh, and. So I, I, you know, it's like I moved, it's like I'm, I'm used to there being a church on every corner. I'm not used to it being the same church on every corner, right. but, um, you grew up but, in the Bible belt. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you know, my, my dad is like a, you know, he's, he's in, in a lot of ways has like this sort of stripe of like sixties radicalism mm. in him. And, mm-hmm. uh, cool. you know, I like to tell and my, my, my mom was religious, religious enough, but also like i think there was like something like when they when they when they moved there she would tell the story about being told like well if you're going to be anybody in this town you have to go to the first baptist church and she was just like fuck that yeah your parents are radicals yeah. cool and Love was it. Like, and but yeah she didn't like that that whole vibe just really yeah. rubbed her the wrong way yeah and yeah. so and so in a lot of ways i was kind of used to being you know, yeah, to just kind of like, you know, we had like our own sort of path yeah. within that and finding Gosh, a community around really to put to, yourself in. I'm really trying to like, and, and, you know, anyone in the world could accuse me of being over earnest. Like if there's one thing I might be, it's probably that, but uh, gosh, I've been thinking, I've been thinking so much, like, uh, I just really like what we have at UVU and, um, yeah, I, I think about my own experience, like being the most conservative person in my school and then, you know, teaching at BYU and like basically getting fired for being like not conservative enough. And those were like back to back. That's crazy. Yeah. That's whiplashy as a person. Like, you know, I finished I finished my master's degree in Denton, still totally Mormon in 2012. And then I started teaching at BYU and like. 2015 and just, you know, anyway, Mm. but I've been thinking a lot about our students and, you know, a lot of them have a conservative background. A lot of them are really, you know, kind of striking out on like a a brand new, you know, they're, they're first generation liberals (laughs) or first generation nonconformists or, you know, whatever it is. And I've been thinking so much about like, just how valuable like that, that time is, you know, for, for all of the students. Yeah. I think about myself being so conservative 
and still being in an academic environment that was causing me to have paradigm shifts and was causing me to be curious about things and to see things, you know, taking that ethnomusicology class, it's not unrelated, you know, like just suddenly going like, like realizing like the world is huge Mm -hmm. and like there are all different kinds of people, but I don't know. It's just, those are big, those are big, important ideas. Right. Um, What was your doctoral study about? Uh, the doctoral study wound up being about it, it wound up being about sort of uh, participatory musics in a way. Okay. Um, and I was looking in a lot of ways. I I wound up sort of in some ways it was kind of split in two in a in a in a in a in a, in a weird way. But on the one side, I was looking at things like avant garde noise music, okay. where there's no, um, well, it's, it's like, it's de-skilled okay. really that, okay. um, you know, it's, it's, it's chaotic. There's no right way to do it. There's no wrong way to do it. Cool. Um, the only, and actually one of my, one of my friends put it to me the best that like, the only way you can fail is if you don't like what's happening mm. Interesting. and, and you have to, in some cases you have to be able to, to just let go. Yeah. And and not put your own ego and your own desires into it because the it. because the machines are going to do what they're going to do. Wow. It's such um, like an incredible little study in like I don't know, Joan Joan Steinman who I was listening I was editing her episode last night. She was talking to me about how um she feels like so she teaches middle school choir. Mm-hmm. And she was saying like, you know, choir is such an interesting um like, you know, you, you go to your choral, your choir class, class for one hour and you're going to go through a whole range of emotions in like mm-hmm. all the different music that you're working on. You're you as a human, as a mammal, you as a primate are experiencing like anger and love and reverence and joy. Um, and meanwhile, you're a teenage boy, you know, yeah. and meanwhile, your emotion and you're what, what's happening is you're like learning emotional regulation Mm -hmm. you're learning emotional expression without ever talking about it and this feels similarly like it's like a a workshop for like um radical acceptance yeah yeah and and everyone and each one is completely different and there's there's a side to it also that has like it's almost like an electronics bazaar like people like Oh, what's this thing like? Cool. And, and things bizarre, that people, like like a sto- like a shop. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah, I want to yeah, make sure yeah, I'm hearing yeah, the right yeah, spelling. Yeah, yeah. That, cool. That uh, like a market. Yeah, because a lot of times you you would have things that might be um, handmade, cool, like hand, hand soldered. Yeah, and homemade know, synthesizers. Homemade I know synthesizers, that the whole thing. like you know, people using some like archaic computer that they somehow got yeah. to work and that makes wow. little bleeps and bloops and then it crashes and everyone's like, yeah. It's and, stu- It's just like tinkery and mm-hmm. yeah, there's something very curious about it. There's something very like wonder, whimsy, you know, I don't know. Yeah. And, and in some cases it could be quite aggressive too. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, you have people with, you know, power tools and sure, and sure. things that resembled like backyard wrestling wow. and and it was uh but it but it, it was also a something that yeah cool yeah. and that then you know when you're writing about it you know you're connecting it with like 
you know, Marcel Duchamp and John Cage and all wow. the, and, and a lot of the people who are doing it, like they know those connections. What does it, and, what does it mean for you? Like, maybe I'll say, you know, I don't have that much experience with like experimental music, but I, but I do have, I do have a, a couple of memories of, I mean, obviously like I am aware of like Cecil Taylor, like this, mm-hmm. like free jazz is kind of yeah. maybe the ex- most of what I know. But I remember like, you know, my high school choir teacher was a, an amazing guy and he would sometimes program music that was kind of like, you know, would have sections where like everyone in the choir, it was like the sopranos would stay on like a certain vowel, but you can do whatever rhythm you want mm-hmm. or, you yeah. know, things like yeah. that are kind of, um, alternative notation styles. And for me, like I, I, I distinctly remember like being in high school and feeling like, this I can, and you know, sometimes like my peers in the class would be like, I hate it when we have to work on this piece. Like, can't we just do, you know, something that's just handle or, you know, something yeah. that's just choiry. And, uh, I remember just being thrilled by it and, and kind of thinking like, I know that I'm not thrilled by the sounds exactly. Mm-hmm. I'm more thrilled by like what this is inviting us to like do you know like Mm. so maybe i'm wondering like like what what's what's it about for you um i think a lot of it for me the the excitability is or the the the, stuff yeah is also (laughs) is is the 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 inability for it to be duplicated ever Wow. That cool. Um, and like, you, Ephemeral. You know, yeah. And even if you like make a, make a recording of it, you know, like, sure. Like you've have that, but yeah. what happened will like that, that'll never happen again. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's, I mean, that's, uh, a part of any musical, any performance, any, of any, kind. any performance, but, but, but here it's very explicit yeah. that that's, yeah. that this is in the moment and you can't, and, and, and it's also something that like, I you know have recordings of that kind of stuff and it's, it's, it's pointless. Why is that interesting to you? Like, do, does it go back to like, do, does it mean something for like your life? Does this have to do with like your value system and your ethics as like a human? Like, what is it about for you? I don't know. I think there is, you know, I, I don't practice Zen Buddhism, but there's an aspect to that, that I feel like, um, appeals to me a lot of, of this, of this, well, this, the sense of that, you know, if things, things are of not sort of wanting things to be different than they are. Radical acceptance, mindfulness, presence. yeah. 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 I hear you. And, you know, not that, you know, not that you have to like accept things that are bad or, or even that the, like, I don't think it's there for a reason or anything, sure, sure. but, yeah. but I don't think radical acceptance is like about yeah, that either. Yeah, I, I mean, think I think so either, radical but, acceptance is kind of a Buddhist thing and yeah. it's just like, it doesn't mean you have to like, uh, accept the thing into you. You just see it, you yeah. know, <laughs> like you yeah. accept that there it is. And and that kind of um, music and 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 performance really just sort of forces that on you, mm-hmm. and it's uh, a practice almost. Yeah. yeah, I love that. It's almost like that's your that's your practice of those values and yeah. those ethics. That's how you like cultivate them in your life. How 
how, if, if at all, do those kinds of things interact with like other parts of your life, like, like your teaching or, um, like the, the, like other, other writing that you're doing Hmm. or even, you know, I don't, you don't, you don't, you don't have to talk about anything personal, but even like, you know, parenting or, yeah. Well, I mean, parenting, like you, you have to radically accept yeah, well, you don't, because um, my—I mean, my yeah. parents didn't, well, you know. This is true. But no, I, but, I mean, I hear what you're saying, but like, yeah. it, I—I'm—I'm I'm meaning, I'm meaning, well, you don't, as like a, it's really important, yeah, <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it's not a given, but yeah. it is really important to be able to radically yeah. accept your children. Yeah, yeah, please continue. Oh, well, yeah, just that I you just know they clear about that. They're, yeah. yeah, that they're that you know yeah they're. Um, that they're, yeah, you learn, or at least I did, um, you know, you learn that they're, they're, they're different people than you and yeah. they don't, and they don't, uh, and you know, they, they have their, they have their own goals and their own, and their own little seven-year-old agendas yeah. and that, um, yeah. And that so the, you, the, you sort of, it's, it's sort of, it encourages you to like, like you sort of have to like really pick your pick your battles yeah. in, in ways and like, like really decide like, is this something that's important or is this something that really doesn't matter? Do you feel like the work that you do in your career, like helps you be like the kind of person that you want to be like outside of your career? Or do you feel like it's like much more kind of porous than that? Like what, mm. what is it like? What is that like for you? <laughs> I know that's kind like, of a yeah. kind of a weird question, but <laughs> I mean, I think I think I think I'm asking about purpose. Okay. Yeah. Like yeah. Hmm. It's. Uh, is it a is it a chicken or the egg situation? Is it like, do you like? I mean, it's all very theoretical and hypothetical, right. but like, it, yes, please. Yeah, I mean, I think there are, like, in the, the teaching aspect is kind of. I don't know. I feel like there's, there's like a sort of a, a complementary side to it that, yes. um, yeah. Tell me more. That like the, the teaching aspect is, you know, something that, yeah. You know, Cause like, I, you know, I, I love sort of like, you know, trying to curate this classroom experience. Please tell me everything. And um, in, in, in different ways and try to like adapt it to different, um, scenarios. Um, and actually, I think probably related to what to what we were, we were just talking about that when I do uh, smaller seminars, which I only occasionally get to do, yeah. um, most of what I'm doing is you know here's a hundred students in the theater um, doing you know music appreciation, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but I've taught seminars with the the honors program, which are a little bit more like a humanities survey, cool, just on a particular theme, and you can kind of do whatever you want. I love it. Um, which is one of the best things about academia is this I'm, sort of I lack of the like, everything. the like lack of adult supervision is <laughs> yeah. excellent. Yes. Um, and that, so when I do that seminar and the um, global styles class that I just finished with the music majors that um, I take, in some ways it's very discussion based, but I have it set up so that the students are the ones who are responsible for it, not me. I love and, it. I love it so much. And that I make a make a point of trying to shut up as much as possible yeah. and just kind of get out get out of the way until. Do you have like a vague and, objective? 
Like, is there something that you hope they will do or learn or part of it practice? Part of it, I think, is is that I mean, in in any given class, like yes, like there are things that that I want us to get to, but there's always more. Yeah, I think I'm talking and, about the more. Like, is yeah. there? Is, what's the and, name of your more? Well, it's getting them to find their own way through it is, is the key because I, like I can, I mean, like I can, I can, I can tell them or show them, but they have to learn this. They have to, they have to be able to find it. They have to be able to, um, to like unpack things. Like if we're, if, if we're talking about, uh, there were uh, a couple of, a couple of discussions where we're, where, you know, we're, we're dealing with like a religious music tradition that started in one part of the world and then migrates to the United States okay. and then goes through, goes through changes and has to adapt and wow. all these kinds of things. And there, and, you know, and, and we start in on that and then eventually we're talking about, um, like, you know, changes in American religion yeah. and, that, uh, you know, and, you know, when the dude in Salt Lake City has a revelation about this and that and the other, then everything changes. Yeah. And, and kind of, and also sort of getting to the point that like, well, like the, and the, and the, the thing that I sort of drew out of that, um, and, you know, but, but it took them like, you know, getting, yeah having to like, you know, chew on things and like, well, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And also being like, and also encouraging them to like, not be afraid to like have a, a wacky idea that yeah. doesn't go anywhere that, yeah. that like you have to be able to talk through it and you then pull on the string. Yeah. And yeah. that then, and that then eventually we get to this idea that, you know, that for like a, the musical aspect of things, but the musical aspect of a religious practice is a huge part of it. Yeah. That those have to be flexible. And also that the things that we think are, that tradition doesn't really exist in the way that we think it does. Tell me more. That, you know, the things that seem like they, you know, have lasted and have been there forever. Right. They're it's not like as stable they're as not. we think. Yeah. They're not. And the only, like we, we only think it's stable because we don't live that long. Right. And oh my gosh. I'm so on one about this too. Like even just, yes, I, I'm so with you. And I, the thing, the things like, I really have just been in this like phase of my life lately where I just am like, I just have just because of like what's going on, like in all the different aspects of my life in like the last couple of years, pandemic notwithstanding, you know, just all of these things have, have left me like right now in kind of like a, a period of like deep reflection, and, like <laughs> questioning and kind of like puzzle, puzzle yeah. making, you know, yeah. like just kind of, I feel like the inside of my brain is like one of those, like, you know, pegboards with like the red string all around, like, oh, is right. this, this, and is this, this, but like, I was thinking just the other day, like I was talking with someone, not a musician, maybe like, maybe, maybe, a, maybe like a, brother-in-law kind of a situation talking to someone about politics and um you know they were saying something about like the part you know the parties and I was like yeah but don't you know like have you heard that like 
the actual like values and philosophies of like the Democratic and Republican Party have flip flopped. And that's mm-hmm. something that I know because like I took AP history, you right. know, but like I took AP history in high school and I had a great teacher and that like little nugget of like, cause that was one thing. And I think in retrospect, like that teacher knew that he was teaching at a school that was 40% LDS and he was not, and he was, he was a more progressive person yeah. and the subtle way that he incepted this idea in us yeah. was to just like make us like we we had an assignment where we had to like or we had a test where we had to write like how like what the what the parties kind of went through and how their philosophies like flip-flopped and now that's something that I have taken with me that informs like how I think about current political situations and and that it's not at all fixed you mm-hmm. know like people could say like, Oh, the Republican, I mean, I, I get that, you know, this is kind of for the listener, but like, you know, if the Republican party is like a small government, like, no, that changes. It goes like back and forth, like something as simple as that. Like it kind of toggles between, um, anyway, but presenting your students with these kinds of things Mm -hmm. and then sort of just asking questions adding in a little new information. Well, have yeah. you considered this? It's so powerful. Yeah. I mean, if you, but it is also an art. I mean, it feels like that to me, like it, and it feels very, so I taught songwriting too this semester for the first time. Um, and I really enjoyed it. And it was like a very lofty, like philosophizing type mm-hmm. of a class. Yeah. The way that I decided to teach it. And, um, you know, I've never really taught a class like this before. Like I've, I've taught, I've been teaching private lessons forever. I've taught some choirs. I've taught, um, you know, ensembles, uh, different types of ensembles. Um, but I've, I'd never taught like a lecture class like this. And it was such a fulfilling experience to like watch that, watch these discussions unfold. I found myself just like thinking about it a whole lot, like, you know, hearing something in a documentary and thinking like, this is a perfect little wrench to throw in Mm. the gears. Yes. Welcome to academia. You can't, you can't enjoy anything without thinking of it. I feel like it makes me enjoy everything, but I feel like that's probably what you mean (laughs) too. Yeah. Um, is there anything else that you want to say about like what, like what other topics do you want to, as we're kind of wrapping up here, Mm. like what do you want to get into? What, what are your soapboxes? soapboxes. Is there anything you'd like to just like, Mm talk about i love talking about identity i love talking about creativity i love talking about the way that like the arts um affect culture that they teach us how to be like you know different kinds of people um i don't know what what are you into Hmm. i think the the thing that um that comes to mind for that i think kind of like bouncing off of the uh of the, the discussion of the, of the class seminar in some ways sort of taking back this idea of, of the world building yeah. is that, you know, one of the things that I've also gotten out of that sort of seminar setting and, and actually in most cases when I do it with the honors program, it's not about music, like right. the, like music is a part of it, but it's not everything is that, you know, this aspect of world building and, and, and being, being in the arts is that, on the one hand, you get to, I don't know, like sort of say or experience and experiment with alternative ways of 
organizing yourself mm-hmm. and organizing yeah. the world. Ooh, I love um, that. And it's a perfect little nugget. And that, and that music and art also gives you sort of a, you know, it, it gives you this window into the way someone else has organized things. Yeah. And, and sort of encourages, I, I would hope, you know, to, again, to kind of, I don't know, mute your own ego a little bit and be like the way that I think about things is not the way everyone else thinks about things. Yeah. And, and that I'm shifts. Yeah. And that the way that, and the way that our, and even, you know, on a, on a like social or political level, like the way things are set up is not the way they have to be set up. Um, and, and that they're different, 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 different ways to do things. And that, um, I know, and that the and and that sometimes you know that the the creative aspect of it is you know yeah really just kind of like you know you start with you start with you know you always start somewhere but then you're sort of like well like what if I tweak this what if I tweak that um, and it doesn't always work sometimes I'm it up, takes you down a yeah. path that's worse yeah <laughs> yeah um, it's but, interesting but it's the, improvising yeah yeah, yeah. and. No, no, and, and I feel like as a, as a, as a teacher, like that sort of curiosity is something that I feel really, really strongly about trying to, trying to cultivate. And in some ways there, there are some aspects of, um, of like UVU as a more vocational university mm-hmm. that it sometimes feels difficult to do that. Yeah. Um, I hear you. And, and, you know, yeah. And as a, as a, in some ways it makes being a musicologist there like a little bit like kind of a weird fit. Sure. Um, but, but it is something that, you know, I've been there for 12 years and I start to feel like it's, I feel like it's getting, it's better than it was. Yeah. Um, I'm really excited I feel like it's about always, it. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's just because I was at BYU and like mm-hmm. anything is better <laughs> than that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, I just think like, Everyone that I know on the faculty is so cool and interesting. Mm-hmm. And I think like if if that's what we have, like if we know we have that and I know like there are, you know, people butt heads and there are like differences of opinions. Yeah. But if you take, you know, each person and I don't know everybody, obviously, but everyone that I have met and talked to at any length. I'm just like, you are radical. Like <laughs> every single person is mm-hmm. doing something that's just so cool. And I feel like if we all kind of like know that about each other and can say to the students, like, you know who you should talk to about this, yeah. like you should talk to Dr. Hagen or you should talk to Dr. Criddle or like, you've got to talk to Dr. Nielsen about this. Um, you know, it's just, there's just, it just feels so like delicious to me. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited about it. Um, And yeah, teaching that class this semester, like really lit me up. Well, and I think, like I said, like teaching a class, teaching this type of class, that's kind of, I told my students at the beginning of the semester, like I taught songwriting one for the first time in the fall and the way that I'm, I'm, I'm planning to like let the curriculum evolve. Like my, my, my plan is to teach these classes as long as you view will let me. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, you know, in the songwriting one is very, um, teaching skills and it's really organized right. and it's like lots of assignments. And then I want songwriting too, to kind of be like, like a seminar and to mm-hmm. be sort of, you know, like 
just very amorphous. I told the students, like, I want to do my very, very best to give you a dead poet society experience, (laughs) like minus the suicide, like in these fluorescent lights in the computer lab, like, because that's where I teach that class. And I don't know. And then combining that with like this, this physical vulnerability that I've had this semester, um, something about that has just been like really emotional, (laughs) like Mm. really, um, I don't know, like a very kind of rich experience, but I have been just like very taken with, I don't know, this kind of creativity that happens in a room of people that you can't plan for. I mean, it's similar to like that other stuff we were talking about. I'm really into it. What is it like being a teacher who really cares about your students and who's thinking really creatively about encouraging uh, curiosity and also being like a parent who's presumably doing the same Mm. things? Like, what's that like for you? I mean, it's kind of, it's quite similar (laughs) in a lot of ways. I can Um, imagine that it would be. And, you know, especially in, yeah, in these, in these smaller classes where, and it's also, I mean, one of the things that I find interesting about UVU is that, you know, we have our student bodies a little bit older. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. to a certain extent, like I have students that, you know, like we're just like, just people. You're kind of friends. Um, Yeah. And, uh, I'm into that too. Yeah. And it, but you know, there, there is, you know, and this is something that I, you know, kind of go back and go back and forth on. Um, you know, trying different things with it, but, sure. but sort of trying to find that, 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 that balance between the, the sort of need for structure, because some students really do need that. Yes. Um, and well, it's like an authority thing too. And yeah. And like giving away. Yeah. And like sort of with the seminar, like the, the idea of like giving away the, your, your authority as a teacher yeah. is something that, um, is in, is in some ways quite, I mean, it's scary Very. because you don't, you don't know what's going to, what's, what's going to transpire. Um, it's quite a thrill. And <laughs> right. right? Like it always and, feels like that to yeah. me. Like you hear the conversation going somewhere that you're like, how am I going to handle this one? Yeah. <laughs> totally unprepared. Yeah. Go ahead. And then, well, yeah. And there's sometimes we just have to say, all right, like we're spinning, like we have to get back to sure. something, but, um, and, you know, in the larger lecture classes that, you know, I kind of have to, I, I have to be like, those feel like they need, they sort of have to be more structured, just like logistically. Yeah. Um, well, it probably depends a lot on what you're trying to teach. Right. Yeah. And also, you know, but, but, but even there, there is sort of this, you know, as I sort of get comfortable with that, yeah. that, um, you know, not really worrying about. You know, they're like, if they ask a question I can't answer, like, oh, okay, like, I think yeah. I don't know everything. I'm like, well, I like, think it's amazing to like, model that kind of thing. Like, you're like, oh, I don't know. I but, love that. Yeah. yeah, I think, I think part of what it's about for me, and, and again, I'm like, I'm still figuring it out. I mean, I mm-hmm. feel like it's like, I'm always like reflecting and kind of wondering, like, what am I doing? What do I want to be doing? What should I stop doing? Um, but yeah, I think like, you know, for teenagers, you need your teacher to be an authority like, and you Mm -hmm. need that because your brain is not developed. And like, it's for many reasons, you just, you need the adult in the room to be the clear authority. Right. And part of what we're doing, I think in college is 
training children to be adults. And Mm -hmm. there's this kind of handoff. It's like a, you know, like here, you hold the authority for a minute, like see what that's like. And kind of teaching your young adult students to be responsible adults, which means being curious, which means Mm -hmm. asking questions, which means listening, which means, you know, thinking about things you hadn't thought about before. Um, and that feels pretty important. And and I, I, I kind of like doing that as a childless person because I don't know, I have plenty of baggage around like parent child (laughs) bullshit because of my family, but also like, I just feel like I can, I have so much bandwidth like to Mm -hmm. give my students. Um, I don't know. That's why I was wondering, like, what's that like for you? Yeah. And it is, there is definitely like a, um, and this is, this is something that, uh, that, uh, I think part of it is, you know, kind of getting, uh, comfortable in the classroom, but then also just, I think also that, that there is a sense of kind of like, you know, carving that out. It's like, that's this thing. And, and I can worry about it at this point at sure. this time. Um, and, and also that like, if, if one is kind of like, eh, that was kind of a, that, that you're sort of like, well, we're doing it again in two days. Yeah. And, um, and then also like in those, in those, in those, those, those big classes, it does sometimes become like, you know, there's, it's a show, there's a shtick. Totally. That, it's that, performance. I've, that I've been doing. And, yeah. um, and that. Uh, and, you know, and I always, you know, ha- you know, have these, you know, lofty ideas of things I'm going to do, but then like you get in the middle of the semester and it's like, oh, wait, we have to go. Like, and just yeah. sometimes you just got to do the thing. Yeah. It's such a life practice. Um, yeah, I, I know, you know, because of the way my career works, I, like I'm only at UVU one day a week, mm-hmm. but I teach a whole bunch of classes. So like, um, this, this coming fall, I'll be teaching a little bit of private lessons. I'll be teaching the commercial voice performance class with like all the commercial voice majors. Um, I'll, I'll be teaching two ensembles, one that's a band. I teach the pickup band, which is basically like, how do you perform in a non-rehearsed like wedding band type of thing? So I, I'm there one day a week, but I'm teaching like songwriting, a vocal ensemble, a band ensemble, you know, it's a lot of meet. Um, and then I run this wedding band and I'm doing a bunch of admin type stuff. I'm working with the musicians, making sure that all the musicians that I hire are like, like, I think a lot about culture and in those arenas as well. I think a lot about, you know, the ethics of like being part of a really important day for people being in kind of close proximity to these very like intimate, like family Mm -hmm. experiences. I I really try to think about it kind of richly, even though it's like whatever, a wedding band. It's right. also kind of like there's something really special about mm-hmm. it. Um, and then, you know, I'm doing this podcast. When I think about all these different projects that I'm doing, I'm more the older that I get, the more that I'm realizing it's all the same stuff. Like I'm mm-hmm. interested in the same stuff and it all kind of feels it satisfies a very similar thing for me. And I'm wondering if you feel like that. I think so. Okay. Um, So yeah. So the question is like, do all of your different projects, like from everything from being a dad, being a, just a man, um, being a teacher in these different ways, like the, the, the performancey stuff in your lecture classes, the deeper stuff in your other classes, the writing that you're doing, like, is there, you know, are you working Mm. on something? 
I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's in some ways it's, you know, it's all just kind of, uh, I don't know. It's like, I teach because I like shelter and food. Um, but which it seems like you like teaching too. Yeah. yeah. And there, um, yeah, well, it's like, you know, you sort of find the different, different things that, uh, you know, because the, the teaching part I enjoy, I have to, the, the, the writing part is, it's like a part of the job, but also I think I do a lot more of it than, um, than is sort of strictly necessary just because sure. I, just because I like you it. You like it. Yeah. Um, and you know, I like the like academic community that I'm sort yeah. of a part of and, you know, as far as, you know, and when I play music and you know, I have like, uh, one of the first things I did when I got here was I found like, I, I need to be in like some kind of obnoxious band and naturally. And so, uh, and so basically I, you know, I, I have, uh, this band that I play bass in that we've been, we're now a trio we used to be a quartet, but have gone through various things. And, mm. you know, that's like my, my weekly poker game is to go. Yeah is to go do that and perform sometimes. And, uh, you know, I joke with the students that like my per performing music is something that costs me money. Like it yeah. doesn't, it doesn't make any money for Isn't me. Isn't that the truth? Um, well, I make most of my living performing, so I shouldn't say that, but yeah. the, but the music that's art, the, the music yeah. that's art for me. Yeah. So, and, and so it's, uh, I don't know, but, but it is, you know, just sort of, I, I, I feel like, you know, having, just sort of this broader, like you know, we talked about, like sort of the UVU faculty community and them being sort of a part of this, uh, like rock and metal music community yeah. in Salt Lake City and around the world. That, and then you know, having sort of like the kids are a part of that too, that it's all just you know, you're sort of, um, it's kind of know. about community. Is that what you're saying? I think so. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like sort of creating this. Like creating like the right Venn diagram where you're in the middle. Yeah. I love that. I, I think that's perfect. You're satisfying like your, your, your needs, like, mm -hmm. you know, in these kind of like very, um, like wonderful kind of big picture ways, right. like with all of these kind of overlaps of like all these different things, you're just you're, uh, you're solving the creative puzzle of like your own purpose and your own fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. Giving that ass. Yep. Giving your, and yeah. And like, you know, enjoying what you feel responsible for. Enjoying what you feel yeah. responsible for. I couldn't, couldn't relate to that more. Like it, what a joy it is to like mm -hmm. take tender care over like the corner of the world that you can affect right um yeah. building yourself like the kind of nest that you want to try to live in amen <laughs> okay well i ask everybody at the end what's on this day what's your dream collaboration it's just my little wrap-up question collaboration you can uh, build a team you can hmm. summon anybody from the grave sky's the limit hmm. the sky's the limit i i would say mine would be i would at some point like to work with Trent Reznor. Who's that? From Nine Inch Nails. Okay. That, um, and not even necessarily work. Like, I just want to be a fly on the wall. Yeah. Like, you want to like engineer a session yeah, or something? Yeah. Or something uh, like that. Or make a documentary or, or, you know, go in and like do the hand claps or something. Sure, like, sure, sure. Ox percussion. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Exactly. And then tell everybody where to find your work. Um, well, I guess, uh, I'm trying to think of where to find it. Um, I guess my last, uh, latest publication is, uh, in the 33 and a third series with Bloomsbury. Okay. So, uh, it's a book on the, on the album, A Blaze in the Northern Sky by the band Dark Throne. Cool. Um, and is there like a place where all of the things you've written, like, do you have like a website? I do not really. Okay. <laughs> I have my faculty page. Okay. Um, uh, and then, um, as far as the, the music that I'm doing, um, uh, it's on, I guess the only thing we, we, we have on Spotify is a little single, but the band is called uh, Monstrology. I love it. Monstrology. And that goes back to like your love of monster movies, right? Yep. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And that was a, a very, yeah, between the three of us, a very sort of intentional sort of, sort of thing. Like it's play, yeah. right? Like you're keeping that whimsy. It's cause yep. I, I mean, I imagine you have a deep sense that that's important to your vitality as a person and you got to protect it. Yep. And yep. that's max creativity, big yep. picture creativity. Well, Ross, I had a feeling that you were cool and I'm glad to know more about exactly why. <laughs> So <laughs> thanks. thanks for coming to chat with me and, yeah. uh, you know, I'll look forward to like saying hi to you in the halls and not being like, does, do, do we know each other? Yeah. <laughs> now, now it will just be clear. All right. <laughs> thanks Ross. Okay. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Artifice. Our theme song is As You Are from My Album Masks with artwork and merch designs by Sarah Keel. If you'd like to recommend a professional artist for an interview on the podcast, you can reach me through my website, emilymerrellmusic.com. That's E-M-I-L-Y-M-E-R-R-E-L-L music.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks again. Have a great week.